Each year, sometime around the middle of Lent, I catch myself trying to bargain with God. Some of you may recognize this same tendency in yourselves. We began Lent with a good resolution. On Ash Wednesday, we committed ourselves to some spiritual practices, maybe giving something up or taking something on. This is because, in the words of today's collect, we know that in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, God has shown us a remedy for sin. Here in the monastery, we monks observe a strict diet modeled on the Lenten fast of the Eastern Church. This year, we have also committed ourselves to limiting our exposure to news and practicing greater silence. But sometime around the third or fourth week of Lent each year, this year is no exception, my resolve begins to weaken. Lent comes to seem too long and too difficult. And it is at this time that I often catch myself trying to bargain with God. Without even realizing what I'm doing, I seek to maximize my spiritual profits, but minimize my spiritual costs. I target a spiritual practice that seems too difficult, attempt to calculate its spiritual value, and then quietly exchange that for another that seems equivalent. So, for example, if I find eating smaller portions too difficult, I may decide, well, the equivalent to that would be eating fewer meals. Now, of course, what I'm concealing from myself is at these fewer meals, I get to eat as large a portion as I want to. And so this this practice doesn't end up being an equivalent at all. Worst of all, I sometimes catch myself watching my brother's Lenten observance and comparing it to my own. I come to see them as competitors, in a spiritual marketplace where their gain is always my loss. In short, by the middle of Lent each year, I find myself thinking and acting like a merchant or a money changer in the temple of the Church. And it is these people whom the Lord Jesus finds when he comes up to Jerusalem for Passover in today's Gospel. Who are these merchants and money changers? To understand their role, we need to engage in a brief digression on Passover and temple sacrifice. Passover was the greatest of the three so-called pilgrimage festivals in first-century Judaism. It attracted an international crowd of pilgrims, and the population of Jerusalem swelled with hundreds of thousands of additional people. The people's, pardon, the temple's outer court, which was called the court of the Gentiles, would have, during this time, been overwhelmed with pilgrims. Now, since foreign coinage often carried the image of emperors or kings, which were violations of the ban on graven images in the Torah, 
The pilgrims needed to exchange their currency to pay the temple tax and to buy sacrificial animals in money that was acceptable in the temple. Pilgrims would have their Passover lambs ritually slaughtered, and those, together with other animals, such as the doves in today's gospel, would be offered in sacrifice for the nation. So the merchants and money changers were essential to the sacrifices prescribed in the Torah. So if their trade was necessary, why does the Lord Jesus lay waste to it with a whip of cords and the words of prophecy? The key to understanding his actions is the command that he issues. Stop making my father's house a marketplace, or more literally, a house of trade. Now, this is an echo of a prophecy from Zechariah 14. In fact, it's the final verse in the entire book of Zechariah. It culminates and gives expression to Zechariah's vision of a renewed, a restored Jerusalem and restored temple that's been purified of all corruption. Now, Zechariah, as a prophet, dimsed, pardon, glimpsed only dimly what uh, Jesus would proclaim and enact in his own self-offering for the world. So this event, which is often described as the cleansing of the temple, uh, is not, in fact, only a cleansing. He was not cleansing what had become corrupt so as to return it to its former state of purity. He was dramatically enacting a prophecy of its destruction so that it would be transcended and fulfilled in the new temple of his body. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. This refers to the temple of his body. Now, in John's Gospel, Jesus' actions take place during the first of three Passovers, which, together with several other liturgical feasts, lend structure and symbolic significance to the narrative. So now that we understand the role of the merchants and the money changers, what's the role of Passover? Jesus' temporary interruption of temple sacrifice during this first Passover constitutes a foreshadowing of the permanent fulfillment of Passover in his own self-offering on the cross, which would happen during Passover two years later. This sacrifice ended all the sacrifices of the old law. In the words of the letter to the Hebrews, he appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats or doves and sheep, as in today's gospel, should take away sin. So in light of this understanding, we can see the insufficiency of the multitude of sacrifices that were traded by the temple merchants and money changers. Not only this, but we can see the corrupting influence of all the business practices that it involved, the calculating, the comparing, the haggling, the competing, and the maximizing of the bottom line. 
But what implications does this have for my own tendency to bargain with God when Lent comes to seem too long and too difficult? At the outset, I quoted from today's collect. In fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, God has shown us a remedy for sin. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are sacrifices. They are spiritual sacrifices. But they are a remedy for sin only because Christ's blood has once and for all taken away our sin and that of the whole world. Again, to quote the letter to the Hebrews, Christ, the high priest, has no need, like the high priests of the old temple, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered himself. We first receive the perfect merits of this sacrifice when we were baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. We are renewed in this grace each time we eat his body and blood in the Eucharist which the Church Fathers called an awesome and unbloody sacrifice. The spiritual sacrifices of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to the Church. And by making prudent use of them during Lent, we can cooperate with this grace and gradually deepen its effects in our lives. We can prepare ourselves for the Easter Vigil, when Christ our Passover is again sacrificed, and we are reborn in his blood as we renew our baptismal covenant. So God gives us Lent as a season of grace. Will we turn it into a season of bargaining? God gives us the Church as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Will we turn it into a house of trade?